Pour out your spirit upon us, O God. With your word, enlighten us. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, so that we might live in hope through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, way back in Old Testament days, the book of Psalms was divided into five books. You remember they had things on scrolls, so you couldn't, could only put so much in a scroll. The psalm we're considering today, number 90, begins the fourth book of Psalms. You'll notice that in most Bibles there's a superscript or a title that lists it as a prayer of Moses, the man of God. This is the only psalm of the 150 that are, that's attributed to Moses. Well, Bible scholars are not so sure that he actually wrote it, but that description may have been added because it reflects a prayer Moses had done when the people of Israel had strayed, and he prayed for God to turn back from punishing them, and also because it's connected to the issues and events in those last chapters of Deuteronomy. You may remember just the other week we talked about the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy where Moses had to deal with the disappointment of not being able to go himself into the promised land. If you listen closely, you will hear that this is not so much an individual's prayer, but a, what's called a corporate prayer, a prayer of a congregation. Listen now for God, God's word for us today in the 90th Psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath. We are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are 70 years or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is so great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O oh Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servant. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. 
Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Shopping days? That sermon title asks, how many shopping days left? Now, wait just a minute, buddy, you might be thinking. Church is serious stuff and not the place to ask silly questions. Like how many shopping days are left? It's five weeks out, by the way. <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. So let's talk about Psalm 90. You can divide this psalm into three parts. The first couple of verses address the question, who is God? And then from 3 to 11, that section asks, who are we? And you could say that those last verses, 12 through 17, ask, how should we live? So who is God? Verse 1 says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, along the way, we have considered many biblical metaphors for God, father, king, shepherd. But this says God is our dwelling place, our home. You may recall that the poet Robert Frost described home as the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. It's pretty true. Several years ago, Wake County had a political controversy about home. There was a candidate for office. Some of us knew him. <laughs> there was a candidate, and his opponent said he, he was not eligible to run for a particular seat in the legislature because he did not reside in that county, in that area. Well, it turns out he was listing his address as a funeral home in Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out that the law that they were appealing to defined home. North Carolina law says that home is that place from which you came to which you intend to return. Well, that's pretty good. You could say that the poet Frost and North Carolina law both got it right. God has to take us in, sort of, because God loves us. And the law is right because we came from God and to God we shall return. Well, the second verse reminds us that God is eternal. God has always been and will always be before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. And then the third through 11th verses those use three images, three pictures to describe who we humans are. First, we are dust. God said that to Adam, remember third chapter of Genesis. You are dust and to dust you shall return. In fact, the very word human comes from the same root as hummus, has to do with dirt. 
You could also say we're khaki, because you know what khaki means? Dust colored. <laughs> well, the second image is, verse 5 says that we are like a dream. There in the night and gone in the morning. Have you ever tried to write down your dreams? Back when I was a college senior, I took an independent study course on the interpretation of the meaning of dreams. Well, in addition to reading Freud and Jung and lots of studies and applying philosophical theories on metaphor and all that, one of the things I resolved to do was to write down my dreams. The problem was, when I was able to find the pen and paper, which were right next to the bed, and wake up enough to be able to write, not write so you could read it, but just write, the memories of my dreams were gone, fluttered away. The dreaming experience was richly detailed and mysteriously plotted. But the memory of dreams was just too fleeting. What we do is we end up trying to kind of make sense of it. We add things to it the longer we wait. Well, our lives are like that. As we'll sing later, we fly forget forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. Well, the third image the verses 5 and 6 say that we are like grass, flourishing in the morning, withering in the evening. Dust, dream, grass. Three images that highlight our imperm impermanence in contrast to God's eternity. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So, how long do we have? Well, the 10th verse says, not so very long. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by strength, 80. Yes, I know, you may be thinking, mileage may vary depending on your driving habits. <laughs> <laughs> so on our church Facebook page, I have posted a link to a site called mylifecalc.net. That internet web website tries to calculate how long your life will last by asking you to move little markers along the way to indicate your current age, your family history of cancer or heart disease, use of alcohol and tobacco, how much you exercise. Don't worry, don't get too specific. It's a little or a lot. <laughs> Stress level, social life, and as you move those sliders, your lifespan estimate either moves up or moves down. Shows you a prediction of what age you just might live to, depending on your driving habits, I guess. Okay, so we all hope to have some more time left, but the psalmist says, even then, our span is only toil and trouble. We are soon gone, and we fly away. Well, the third part of Psalm 90 tells us something about how we should live. The 12th verse, teach us to count our days so that we may gain a wise 
heart. In other words, Lord, teach us to make each day count. I mentioned before that in the very first real conversation I had with Johnny Coates, he talked about how little control he had over the disease that would take his life, and he talked about how Jack Sherman used to stand in this pulpit and begin every service declaring, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Johnny said that that 24th verse of Psalm 118 had, had sort of become his motto, his mantra. That is to rejoice and be glad in every day God blessed him with life. Well, that kind of focus can clarify a lot. It, it can help us not Wet the small stuff, as they say. It can intensify and enrich each and every day because it can grow gratitude in us. Now, maybe you heard those verses of Psalm 90 that speak of God's anger, God's wrath, and thought, ooh, the preacher's going to skip over that part. No, no, he's not. <laughs> the 11th verse says, Who considers the power of your anger, your wrath, as such great as the fear that is due you? And as Moses had done, Psalm 90 asked God to turn. Have compassion on your servants. Well, sometimes I refer to Psalm scholars that I've read about, but Jim Mays is one we actually met some years ago. He was a professor at Union Seminary in Richmond. And in his book on the Psalms, he says that Psalm 90 essentially seeks a change in time and the character of the time in which our life is spent. And in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that prayer for change has been fulfilled so that we live under the new covenant with the marvelous assurance of God's amazing grace. Not under the wrath of not keeping the, all the Ten Commandments perfectly and not keeping all the other regulations perfectly. We're under that new covenant of God's grace. Well, the last request in the prayer in Psalm 90, ask God to prosper the work of our hands. We need to pray for God to bless the work of our hands because so much of God's work in this world is literally in our hands. If we don't share the good news of the gospel, who will? If we don't feed the hungry, tend to the sick, visit those in prison, minister to people who are hurting, if we don't shine the light of knowledge on the vast night of ignorance, if we don't ensure that people who are mentally ill receive treatment, if we don't work to eliminate drug addiction, if we don't help people who are unemployed find meaningful work, if we don't teach children and adults the stories of the Bible, the beliefs of our faith, if we don't work to end discrimination that oppresses so many people, if we don't teach our children by our example, generosity, empathy, kindness and grace if we don't work to mend the problems in our homes our country our church and so on and so on if we don't who will now the very first step may be to pray to pray for god's guidance to pray for god's assistance but surely the next step 
is for us to take action that will lead to peace and justice. We're all God's children. Now earlier, earlier I told you about an internet link to a lifespan calculator. Well, just for fun, I also posted a calculator to let you convert your remaining years to days. Or you can even take it down to nanoseconds if you like. And that is what will estimate how many shopping days are left in your life. Or how many days you have to do those wish list things they call a bucket list. Or how many days you have to show love for your family, your church, your country, your fellow human beings, for your God. The God who is our eternal home. Thanks be to God. Go out into the world, proclaiming Christ in every corner, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom so that everyone can comprehend fully the presence and witness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now receive the blessing of God whose mercy knows no end. Receive the blessing of Christ who is patient and eager to give us words of life. Receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit who moves us and gives us power to do God's will. Receive the blessing of the triune God and share this blessing with everyone else.